We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Doing good this morning? Boy, just pay attention. Lots going on, right? Uh, So stay involved, get involved. Would you stand with me this morning? I love the reading of the Word, uh, and um, I was raised in a Pentecostal setting where, man, when the Word was read, you stood up, and uh, you just let it speak to you. So this Sunday is the last Sunday, Epiphany, and there's just a great gospel reading. And I have Pastor John here with us this morning, which doesn't happen very often. John, yeah, John pastors the church on Saturday night uh, at 5 o'clock. And so it, you really just ought to be aware of we have a third service, and it's a great service. And uh, John does that, and so I'm just pleased to have him with us this morning. He generally is out in Zenith on Sunday morning. And uh, so... I'm going to read to you out of the book of Acts, and I'm going to let John read the gospel reading. And the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, that he made him, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to all your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Good morning. Usually I say good evening or good afternoon or something like that when I'm here. Let's do a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, starting at verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, James, and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. Then it happened. As they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not really knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things that they had seen. The gospel of the Lord. Grab hands with somebody this morning. And, uh, yeah, just said it. Uh, Grab hands. Look at somebody and say, fully awake. Touch your neighbor and say, fully awake. 
Now, now look at them and say, may your eyes be open and may your ears hear clearly. Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, I pray this morning that this would be a place of transfiguration. I pray this morning that we would see and hear Jesus in a brand new way. I pray this morning that we would be fully awake, that we would leave the world outside these walls, and that, Father, the place right here where we have gathered would become an embassy of heaven on earth. I pray that every shadow and every perception that has hindered us from seeing Jesus would be removed. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Well, according to your faith, it shall be done. You may be seated. I want to preach this morning on something that most people are very familiar with. Uh, they've at least heard it. They have some sort of understanding of it. Uh, but by and large, uh, we really don't delve into it and really try to grasp it and, and make sure that we understand it. And sometimes I think the church uh, does things and they're so familiar with them that they've lost the power and the appreciation of what's going on. Uh, and it's water baptism. And again, everybody, the minute I say that, they, they, they already have. But baptism is a sign and a symbol and a sacrament. And a sign goes that way, right? When, 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 a, when you see a sign that says Hutchinson 20 miles, you don't stop and get out and try to find a restaurant at the sign. <laughs> the sign points to something that's there. A symbol, uh, if you got any money in your pocket, if you got a dollar bill, you can pull that out, and we call that a dollar bill. It's not a dollar, because a dollar means a weight of something. A dollar is a weight of, used to be gold. We don't care anymore. We just, but uh, the dollar bill symbolizes that there is something of value behind this. Or, or I could say, pull out your debit card. It's not even money. But that debit card is a symbol of money that you supposedly have somewhere, right? It's not your money. It symbolizes your money. And you use the symbol, and it conveys to you and to the person you're handing it to money. So it's a symbol, but it conveys. It, it, it got, you use a debit card, a credit card, and it is like money, right? It's not money. So water and fire and laying on of hands are signs and symbols. They convey something that they're really not, but they convey it. Or a sacrament in some circles. A sacrament, something that you can see, but it conveys something you cannot see. You can see it, and alone it really isn't anything, but there's something behind it, something invisible that's going on, and when people of faith use those symbols, it conveys the power of God. How many here believe that God heals? And that if you lay your hand, you know your hand doesn't heal. Your hand hasn't got the healing. In fact, if you think you are, you're silly. But when you lay hands on, that's a symbol, a sign, or a sacrament. In other words, God uses visible things to convey spiritual power. And in America, particularly charismatic Pentecostal circles, they're all hyped up about their hand. But they're not hyped up about how God uses water. In fact, if a Roman Catholic uses water, they think that's nuts. But now God's always been using water and fire. 
He uses, in fact, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says that he has always revealed what's invisible by what he created. God uses stuff to make himself known. Most Pentecostals and Protestants are so mad at the old that they've thrown out the power of the water. They've thrown out how God uses stuff. And then in the use of that stuff, he's accomplishing spiritual things. And because we've missed it, we have dismissed it, we've unappreciated it, then there are things in our lives that should have been taken care of as we began our journey with Christ that we're still battling with because we didn't appreciate. Boy, it gets quiet in here. Because, see, I really don't care about what your meemaw said. I really don't care about what your denomination said. The only thing I care about is God's truth. And when I look at the scriptures, it's very obvious that God uses stuff to reveal his power and himself known to us. The word became what? Well, flesh was different with the word in it. How many of you know life is different if the word is in it? That, that flesh is changed because of what's in it. In other words, you change what's in it and it changes you put something else in it, and all of a sudden, it itself isn't bad. It's not that this is bad. It's what in it ain't too. Am I making any sense yet? See, what, what, see we, we actually make something bad, and the reality is it's what's in it that's really the problem. It's not. The Word became flesh. And the Word in flesh made flesh pretty glorious. We just read the Gospel reading that Something was in there that we didn't know that was in there, but when he got in a different environment, what was really in there was seen, and they went, oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. It's God. Stay here. He uses bread and wine and water and mud and spit and you. He works through the stuff that he's created. This stuff, when God gets in it, for the earth was... Formless, void, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the water. Over the water. I mean, in the beginning, God hovered over the chaos of the water. Now, let me tell you something God's never disorganized. When God shows up, He puts things in its place. He puts it in order. He'll order your life. He'll take the chaos of your life. He'll hover over it. And all the stuff, he'll speak to the wind. And all of a sudden, in the beginning, God took possession of the water. He owned it. And when he spoke to it, it began to go to the places he wanted it to go. Am I making any sense? I mean... As Moses is stepping out of the bondage of Pharaoh, and they're standing in front of the Red Sea, Exodus 14, it says, he stretched out his hands over the water. And the waters stood up. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see some things stand up. Say, say the water stopped. It stopped flowing, and it stood still. I mean, if it's coming down here, he, he dammed it up, but then he held it back. All at the same time. 
He stopped it from coming at you, but he also kept it from going away from you. This is weird. And, and he stretched out his hands and the water, the, the, the water was in the way. The water was the problem. The water was hindering. And so God reveals that, listen, you, my friend, can control the waters. You determine. How many of you know this story? There's an enemy chasing them. How many have felt like there's something right behind you that's just going to snap the snot out of you? How many of you got somebody trying to hurt you? How many know there is something moving in your life? Maybe it's a number of things. Maybe you got a hurricane brewing in your backyard, right? Isn't it interesting? We, we, we seemingly always need a devil or a person or a party to vilify. They got to be how many of you know that when a hurricane forms, it has water and wind and this and that, and, it, and it's kind of a perfect storm, and we eventually name it. We eventually name the storm, but the way we name it doesn't mean that Katrina herself is the problem. It just means we need to name this system that's chasing us. And we got a system that's chasing you. You got a series of problems in your life. It'd be nice if you only had one that was chasing you, but most of us are, have this system of stuff that's just not, that's behind me. And in front of me, there's this barrier. And the Lord says, and God took control, say God, took control of the water. And it stood up and it stopped. And, and, and they went down. If you read the scriptures, it says they went down into the, they got down, say down. So they went in. Do you know that? That had, it sounds exciting, but I think it might have been fearful. I mean, sometimes the way God chooses to deliver you. I mean, I've been delivered a few times, but the process of being delivered just really, pardon me, scared the snot out of me. Couldn't he have beamed me up with Scotty? I mean, it seems to me like being beamed up with Scotty is better than having to go down in the river and go, is it, is it going to stay? Is it going to hold? Is it going to wait? Where? This looks, oh my God. How many of you know you're being delivered through a process that doesn't always look inviting? But you really don't know. What if he gets down in, what if we get down in the middle of that and he decides, mm -mm. There's a lot of you, you know you've been saved, but in the middle of your life, you're not really very cute. And if you've been raised with the wrong religious perspective, you're always afraid the water's going to come in on. But how many of you know that God delivered Israel? Say delivered. Through the water. He took me through the water and I was delivered. And the same water that delivered me destroyed the thing that was chasing me. Say, delivered and destroyed. See, the water will deliver you, but it will destroy the enemy that's chasing you. I get so tickled about people that are always trying to do deliverance, and I want to say, water. Water. Because if we perceive correctly what God is doing in the water, you're delivered from the devil, and you're brought into Sin is destroyed at the cross, and you are set free. Some of you are still wrestling with something that you needed to have drowned when you began. Yeah. Repent and be. Oh, I know. I'm right in the middle of some of you. I don't have to be. 
okay, stay confused. Keep letting Pharaoh chase you down. Okay, I don't, yeah, but I just can't believe that. Okay. So just right up front, let me say, okay. I am not forcing you. I'm just suggesting that there's a big, 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 big story here. And that through the course of history, God has always made a way through the water. He's always used the water to deliver and to destroy. And that if he did it then, he hasn't changed his mind now. Because he never changes. Oh, well. Say with me. In the beginning. And when he was delivered. Isaiah has a great verse. I love this verse. I just don't like what English-speaking people did to the verse. You're going to put this one up for me, right? Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. I I just don't like what English translators did with it in the 15th century, and I'm not real cool about what they're doing with it in the 20th and 21st century. For they shall fear in the name of the Lord. (laughs) For when the enemy comes in like a flood, go again, the Spirit of God, say, when the enemy, it comes in like a flood. It is the enemy that comes in, then God will raise up a flood... Say, the enemy comes in, but God's going to drown him. The enemy's not the flood. The enemy doesn't control the water. God controls the water. So when the enemy comes in, God uses water to drown the enemy. I have people all the time talking about, when the enemy comes in like a flood. No, 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 no. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will destroy. The enemy can't. God's the only one that can, am I me? I could go back and talk to you about how God used a flood with Noah. I mean, if you think I'm making this up, I could go back and tell you that Scripture interprets Scripture, and the only time anybody ever used a flood was God. Oh, well. Say, God will use a flood to deliver me from my enemies. And then you got that story out of 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10, when Elisha said to Naaman, uh, go dip yourself in the water. Go get in the water. You take that leprosy and you go get in the water. Say, get in the water. Right? You, you, you do understand what I'm saying is God uses water to convey healing. Oh, you just think it has to do with your faith, don't you? Everybody. I told you last week, leave your superheroes in the car. Because there's only room for one. His name is Jesus. So, so he used water, and when Naaman went and dipped himself in the water, he was cleansed. Or I could talk to you about the New Testament. Yeah, but that's Old Testament. Okay. Before you get all jacked. I could talk to you out of John chapter 5, verse 4, where when the angel went down to a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, touch your neighbor and say, please stir the water. When the angel went down and stirred the water, I I mean, the angels are the messengers of God. So when the messengers of God came and stirred the water, then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water, you do understand that God hovered over the water and stirred it up and creation began. And, And so prior to Jesus, God sent angels, stirred up stuff, and whoever got in it was... Now, what's sad is people are still looking for a stirring when Jesus is available. That's the sad part, but that's not my point of this sermon. The point of the sermon is God uses 
physical things to convey. Ezekiel 36 says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be. So before you get all just really nervous about whether you were sprinkled or baptized, well, he's going to sprinkle Israel and it's going to work. Say, it's going to work. Some of you think the power's in the amount. <laughs> you didn't get it. It don't matter how many towels you get. If God uses water, he can save by many or he can save by few. One drop of the blood will probably do the job. My preferred method is to hold you under till you stop breathing. That's, mm. <laughs> That's my preferred method. But I want to suggest to you that it was what God was doing with the water, not you. It's not what you're doing. And not what you didn't hear me. It's not about, yeah, I'm going to go be baptized because it's an outward sign. Of, <laughs> no, 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 no. If God's not doing something in the water, I ain't getting in. I'm sorry, but if God's not doing something, I don't. I'm believing this morning that God's doing something. What do you think he's doing? I don't know, but it's going to be a deliverance and it's going to destroy the enemy. I, I don't know. But whatever he does, they're going to be cleaner than when they, or you don't have to be baptized. Think about the thief on the cross. That's all you got? All you got's the thief on the cross? Now, I think that's really cool that he didn't have to baptize the thief on the cross. But I want to say to you that if you were going to keep reading here in a minute, it says they all were baptized. Everybody else after that. Well, but that's just, no, I'm just saying it's, are you here? Anybody here? Yeah. It says, I'll sprinkle you and you'll be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Did you know idols get drowned in water? Never mind. And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll take the stone out and give you a heart of flesh. Oh, well. Oh, how about this one? If you knew who I was and who the gift the gift was that I was trying to give to you, you'd ask me for a drink, and when I gave you a drink, you'd have what? L live, say living water. And then he goes on to say in chapter 7, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living. Say God uses water. He uses spit. He uses mud. He uses wine and bread. And Billy Joe and Bubba Lou and probably you too. Uses children. Uses tax collectors. Uses, am I making sense? Say, so he's probably working in my life right now. I mean, I, he uses stuff. He, he, he reveals stuff. Boy, I'm building an argument. Did you know Jesus was baptized? How many know Jesus was baptized? I just don't understand why God himself had to be baptized. I mean, he knew no sin. The Bible's very clear. You think Jesus just does something to give you an example of what you ought to do? You think maybe he's just showing you a way to walk that it, maybe it had nothing to do that he had to be, but he did it so that he could turn around and say, yeah, now if it was good. Am I making any sense? You, you do understand that Jesus went into the depths. He descended into humanity, 
into sin, into weakness, into all of this. He came down and got into it. And Jesus said, I want to associate with, I want to identify with the depths. Sometimes I really think we misunderstand that when we are baptized as adults, we are saying we're going down into the very depths of our lives. We're going into the depths of a community. We're getting closer because, see, the way up is the way down. If you humble yourself, I got news for you. What we're going to do in a few minutes, there's no way to be dignified about it. They're going to come out with their hair going like this, and they're going, yeah. oh, you didn't understand. It's not supposed to be pretty. It, 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 I mean, it wasn't pretty on the Sea of the Red Sea. It was, Jesus went down. He went down, and when he came up, the heavens opened and said, This is my beloved son. Did you know that it's in baptism that you die? Did you know that it's in baptism that God says, That's my son, that's my daughter? And so many people are struggling to find out who they are, and the reality is it's revealed when you go down and when you come up. And that we need to be telling people that when you repent and you're baptized, you step out of that and into this, and that identity is gone, and the new one has come, and your naming comes from heaven. Oh, you're not hearing me. You're identified by a voice from heaven. It only happened twice. And this morning, John read that when they went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, heaven opened up again and said, this is... Are you listening to me? There's going to be a moment in the death of your own life when you're crucified, when you go down into something, and you're going to hear it. And there's going to be another time when you're called, come up higher, and there's going to be a voice that comes from heaven, and he's going to identify all of those who are his, but it's done in, it's at the baptism and at the transfiguration. And I'm believing in being transfigured. I'm believing that someday I'll be transfigured, but maybe I want to go through the first one first. Maybe I ought to do... Am I making any sense? You don't get to make this up. You don't get to make up faith. It has been handed to us throughout the histories of the scriptures, throughout the tradition of God, and this is the way, and the call and the question is, will you respond and submit to that and not make it a, yeah, but I've seen it hurt and abused. Yeah, but just because it's been abused doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it's been manipulated a hundred million ways does not mean that you get to change it because you've seen it misused. Am I making any sense to anybody? Hmm. What are we to do? What are we to do? They asked Peter. What am I to do? I get so tickled with Christians. I don't know what to do. Repent. Change your mind. Stop thinking like that. Think differently. And be baptized. Go down into the waters and allow God to drown who you were and identify who you are. And you will receive. It didn't say you might. It, it said you will. Say you will. And, and the Holy Spirit will. Oh, this isn't my message, but I can't. Pastor, how do you pray? 
You're kidding, right? You're kidding, right? And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll be in you. Hey, listen to me. How do you pray? Have you ever tried not to sneeze? You ever tried to hold a sneeze in? Can I tell you something? If you're born again, and he's on the inside of you, then it's him that's doing the praying. You really can't stop a sneeze, because what's on inside of you is going to come out of you. Prayer is what he's doing on the inside of you. And if you're having to work it up to pray, honey, we need to drown you or something, because I don't have to pray. I don't even need your form to pray. I use a form, but I don't need it. Because there's one on the inside of me that's called the intercessor of the world, and he ain't never going to stop praying for you. And if you'll just surrender to the reality that he's in you, he'll begin to move through you in ways you might be careful, because he might not speak in a manner that you would understand. He might do stuff in a different way, but if you think you can control God on the inside of you, I need to introduce you to another God, because you won't domesticate Jesus. You might domesticate a dog, but you won't domesticate God. Repent, be baptized, be born anew, and the Spirit of God will come on the inside of you, and he'll begin to do stuff through you. He'll deliver you through the river, and over here you will conquer Canaan, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Cellulites. You'll begin to Some of you just woke up. You've been fighting cellulites? Never mind. And they were baptized that day, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. (laughs) When you're baptized, you're added to what? A what? Say it again. A what? You were added to what? Say it out loud. You were added to? To other people who had been buried in baptism, raised to life, who understood that when we gathered together, he is with us. Listen, you stay out there in a coffee shop or your basement all you want to. You're nothing more than a rebellious group of people that are trying to destroy the reality of the thing called the church. When the fact of the matter is, there were 12, there were 120, there were 3,000. There were multitudes that could not be gathered because not only were they born again, but they were born into the family. And you can't stay outside the family just because Aunt Lulu's an idiot, just because cousin so-so hurt you. Listen, you will always find within the church people that are sinners. Look in the mirror. There is too much going on. Say with me. It is through baptism that through I enter into this. I have a friend and he wears white and the first time I ever met him he took my hand and he said, Brother, we are baptism. We are brothers by baptism. Are you listening to me? I'm not friends with him because I belong to that tribe. 
or that, then I'm friends with him because we've both been into the waters of baptism. And it is through baptism that we have been joined into this thing called the church. Hmm. When people start talking to me about my friend, I go, well, you go ahead and blab. All you know is what you've read or what you've heard. I've held his hand, looked into his eyes when he said, don't join this group. It's dangerous. And I look back at him and say, you don't want mine either. They're just as bad. (laughs) Are you listening to me? It's scary what people do. Say, baptized into this thing called the church, this thing that has no borders or boundaries, this thing where we have all been saved by grace, called by mercy. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you have a Bible? How many believe that Bible you had is the word of God? Mark 16, verse 16 says, And he who believes and is baptized will be Does your Bible say that? Yeah, but pastor, you need to tell me exactly what happens in there. I ain't got a clue. I ain't got a clue. I don't understand why God had to get on a tree and die. I don't know. I'm I'm just one of the sons following after what he said. I don't know. I wouldn't argue with you whether the communion turns into the very blood or whether it represents the blood. I don't know, but he told me to do it, so I do it. I don't care how you do it. Stand on your head and do it. I don't care. I just know that in the obedience of doing it. Notice how quiet it gets in here. Always gets quiet when you give people something to do. You do understand the last thing, near the last thing that he did in the upper room was he went and got some water and he washed their feet. And they said, don't do that. He said, if I don't do this, hmm, the very last thing he did was take up bread and wine. He washed their feet. He gave them bread and wine. He gave us symbols and signs and sacraments and said, through the participation of this, I'll do something. Well, I just don't believe that. Okay, then you send God a note and edit that out. Go ahead and let me know how that works. In him you were circumcised by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, being buried with him in baptism that you might be raised with him in the working of his resurrection. If I took you back till about the ninth century and you were convicted of murdering, once you were convicted by the council of the city, they would take the body of the person you murdered and they would tie that body onto your back. And they would take chains and chain the body of the person you murdered on your back. And when that body began to decay and get eaten with worms, those worms would move from the dead body of the person that you had murdered into your life. And the death that that person lived was the slow death of decay from the person. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's a great sign, symbol, though. I really believe that if you read the book of Colossians and the book of Galatians, you'll see that what happens in the waters of baptism is that God takes a sword and cuts away the death, the sin, 
the old man. And he is drowned and buried in that water. And you come out now free of the sin and the death. In a few moments, I'm going to invite children to come. And I think Pastor Karras told them to take a rock in their hand. And that when we go down into that water, let go of that rock. And leave that thing in the water. Symbols work. Children, <laughs> I left that there. And I come through it. Am I making any sense? Why do we baptize? I think we've lost the power of it. I think we've lost the appreciation of it. I think that it happens over there and we keep doing here. And then we go out the door and we go, okay. But Paul writes to the Romans in the 6th chapter, put this up there, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the death by the glory of God, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Say it with me. Buried into, raised into this new and living way. Now I want to address a sensitive subject as the pastor of this church. Well, I was baptized as a child. Okay. Should I be baptized again? I don't know. Is God talking to you? Well, but was it real? You know, Moses carried children through that river. It's a crazy thought. Do you have to know God's working for God to work? Do you have to understand God? Is he waiting for you to figure it out? If he is, I don't know how he created anything. I'm just suggesting that that line of thought will not be systemic in its value. I could take you to the New Testament where it says the whole household and their children were baptized. Yeah, but pastor, don't you think? You... Well, I think there's some point out there that you have to go, oh my God. Like maybe I've got grandchildren going to be baptized again today. I'm never going to tell them no. Are you listening to me? I don't care when you were, how you were. I just want to know you were. I don't care if it takes me baptizing my children 45 times. If they want, I'm going to put them down, bring them back up. Well, which was the real one? I don't know. <laughs> Do I care? No. It's above my pay grade. Are, are you getting? Listen, I baptize myself daily. Paul said, die daily. I, I go into my, kitchen, my bathroom sink every morning and go, oh, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> I get in the shower every morning and go, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Get that off of me. You're not listening. <laughs> there are times I get out of counseling and I go find some water and go, oh, please. <laughs> nope. I love water. Down, up, down, up, down. Seven times. Naaman was clean. Okay, I'm up, I'm down. Listen, I baptized myself in Birmingham, England one night. I was struggling. And I'm laying in bed and I'm praying and I'm trying to struggle. And the Lord said, go fill up the tub. Get in the tub. I got in the tub. He said, get out of the tub. I got out of the tub. He said, get in the tub. I got in the tub. He said, get out of the tub. I got out of the tub. Seven times. I promise you, the people next door thought this American had lost his mind. But can I tell you something? The fear that had gripped me that day, I left in that bathtub when I pulled that. Do you understand that the signs and the symbols that we use are powerful? 
and that I don't have to understand them for them to work. All I got to do is obey him. So I'm not going to argue with anybody about when, where, how, what, if. If God's speaking to you, respond. If you've never been, I hope maybe I'm talking to you. Hmm. Well, pastor, that remains a mystery to me. Good. Because I was commissioned. Go, therefore, into all the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Did you know he said, baptize before I teach? Everybody in my world wants me to teach before I do it. He said, do it and then teach. Most of the time, by the time I understand what God did, he's already done it. I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, revelation comes, bam, 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 bam. My understanding comes in by train, slow train. I arrived on an airplane, but my brain came in by train. If I have to wait for my brain to catch up, we ain't never getting anywhere. You might want to get them, Lucas. Anybody learning anything? Did, have, have I done? <laughs> you don't even have to agree with me, but did I, have I created questions? Looky here. Look at all these kids. Pretty good, huh? You stay here for just a minute. Pastor, why do you serve communion every Sunday? Because when I pick up the bread and the wine, I remember his death, burial, and resurrection. When I pick up the... I don't want to have to walk through the water every Sunday. But when I pick up that bread and that wine, the other symbols that were handed to me in the upper room, I remember that I've been baptized with Christ. I remember that it was his blood and his life that has given me my life. It's not up to me to perform, but it's up to me to trust in the one who has already performed for me. If you don't put your faith in who God is and his working through your life, you will always be trying to perform up to a standard that you will never meet and always live in the guilt and the shame of your own inability to perform. But if you begin to celebrate what he has done it will free you to live free of shame free of guilt am I making any sense so that when we come here every Sunday morning we are remembering what we did over there anybody here I hope you remember more what he has done in your life through the use of his stuff than what I ever do I hope that every once in a while he uses this Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.